friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. Hello, everyone. You are tuned to the MC Lars podcast. This is episode 100. It is Monday, July 27th. And today's episode is brought to you, as always, by the Patreon Larsians. If you want to check out all my Marvel songs, I did songs about all the movies in the MCU, go to patreon.com slash Lars, and you can hear my Ant-Man and the Wasp song I just dropped. Uh, of course, I have my last three coming out in the next few weeks, and then I'm doing all the Star Wars movies as rap songs. Holler. But I want to shout the new Patreon Larsians, John, Michael, and David, and shout out to the old ones, Jeremy, Button, and Bashford. And this week, we have a very special letter to Atlas. This is from my friend Trevor in Alaska. So here we go. Is he sleeping? Is he pooping? Just checking in. How's a little boy doing? These are some messages that you left. Wishing our little baby boy the best. Now it's time for Letters to Atlas. Please leave a message after the tone. Hi, Lars and Ashley and Atlas. I just wanted to say congratulations to you guys and happy uh, late birthday, Atlas, for your birthday. Uh, It's freaking awesome. Um, I just wanted to say that your dad is one of the coolest, most awesome people I've ever met in my life, and uh, he does great things for everybody he knows. I am wishing you lots of happy, joyful smiles, and uh, yeah, just be awesome. Thanks, Trevor. If you want to leave a message to our baby boy, who's now three months, the phone number is 510-463-4237. That's 510-463-4237. And uh, you can be on the podcast leaving a message to our little baby boy who will listen to it when he gets older. He's finally sleeping a little bit. And uh, this week's episode is with a friend of mine, a very important person in my life, MC Chris. Chris Ward. And I've collaborated with a lot of people over the years, met a lot of people over the years. But this guy, something about us working together starting from way back was special and is special. We did a few songs. We've toured a lot. We've toured the US and the UK. And um, we kind of have a candid conversation about how the music industry has changed. And he says some really kind words about me, and uh, it's it was really heartwarming to be able to talk to him. I know he's going through a lot right now, so you can check out his social media for information on that. But he opened a lot of doors for me, and like from the years 2009 onward, whenever he'd take me on tour, it would help. And I feel like probably a lot of the people who have discovered me found me as an opening act for him. So I'm grateful for that. And yes, there's been friction. We addressed that in the podcast. But as he says in it, there were no friction. It would be boring. He's done a lot for the nerdcore scene. He's kind of like the ICP of the nerdcore scene in that ICP put on a lot of juggalo acts and signed a lot of people to their label and took them on tour. Chris didn't sign us to his label per se, but he gave us opportunities and um, it's, yeah, I appreciate the guy. And so it was cool to get him on the episode, episode 100, man. I've been doing this every Monday for almost two years. There was one day I dropped the podcast on a Wednesday, which was the Hard Times interview with the dude from the Hard Times. But other than that, every freaking Monday. So Chris was doing a 10-year anniversary tour for his MC Chris Goes to Hell album, and he was going out on tour with a band called Cybertronic Spree, and that got postponed due to COVID. So be sure to check his website for the information 
Um, he also talks about something that made me think a lot. It was really interesting because he has a lot of wisdom in the industry. And Chris doesn't put out as much music as some of the other nerdcore artists in the scene. Well, MC Frontalots, he's been taking a while between records too. But Chris talks about how it's important to refill the tank, meaning it's important to take time away and read books and get intellectually ready to release new music. And I think that's interesting in this era of like, keep pumping out music, the pressure to constantly be creating at the cost of quality. He's like, it's important to focus on quality. And he says he only writes when he feels like doing it. And in this podcast, we talk about how as a writer, only you know when your songs are good enough because you can forever look for um, redemption and like clarity and validation in other people. He jokes about how Nerdcore as a touring market peaked in 2006. But because of that, we talk about how do you keep the fires going when it feels like fan engagement or ticket sales are down. And he talks about how it's important to keep the fires going by focusing on things, having gratitude. Um, and it's cool. I ask him about a lot of stuff about fatherhood, about everything. Cause we're both dads now with, with sons. And so that's something cool we can relate to. So I wanted to also on this episode, make a special announcement. So since I've been dropping this podcast every week, for two years, I was planning on doing something like this. I'm taking kind of a, a hiatus, so like a sabbatical, not but not like a Bill Watterson kind of sabbatical. Um, I had had a plan for this. I'm going to be back for episode 101 on September 7th with Weird Science, so be sure to tune in for that. But I'm taking a social media break. We're going to do the Mount Nerdcore show August 15th. Well, we're not calling it Mount Nerdcore anymore, but we're doing another streaming thing Um on the 15th, I believe. And I'm still dropping Patreon songs. I'm doing my um, Infinity War and Endgame songs this month. But I'll be back with my regular content in September. And as you know, on Monday, I drop the podcast. On Tuesday, I drop a new comic strip. On Wednesday, I uh, usually have a new YouTube video. And I've been doing the Hatchet Chats with my friend MC Snacks, where I review all the ICP records. On Thursday, I do Throwback Thursday, where I post an old video and talk about it. And on Friday, I do Freestyle Friday, and I've been putting out a new Spotify single every week. And then on Sunday, I'm going to do Sunday Switch Day. And I was doing it on Twitch, but I think I'm going to actually stream uh, playing video games on on Facebook because Twitch is cool, but I feel like Facebook has more engagement. So that's coming back in September. And of course, every day I do a haiku of the day. And uh, what else? Check out the Roger Rabbit Collector, my new Instagram. I'm going to start posting more frequently on that. But I'm going to take a pause like just to see, like Chris said, what it's like to refill the tanks. I'm working on a project actually that I can't talk about, but I'm putting all my creative energy into that for the next few weeks. So I'll be back uh, September 7th, like I said, with episode 101 with Weird Science. So anyway, this is my interview with the legendary homie, the titan of nerd rap, MC Chris. It finally happened. I wanted to have MC Chris on the podcast. And because this is a man who's basically the reason why I'm still doing MC Lars. You're still doing it. You're still doing it because I've allowed it. I've allowed it to happen. 
I have a nerd. I have nerdcore mafia, and I'm gonna I'm gonna send them to your door. <laughs> if I ever quit, if you don't keep if you if you don't keep up with the raps, I want an album every year. <laughs> and when you're not allowed to tour, I want you to be online constantly. <laughs> You've looked out for a lot of people over the years in this community. I don't. This is, is this like the opposite of a roast? Is that what this podcast is? I want to get into how you've done a lot for people. Why you have like this sometimes fraught relationship with fools online? So you really want to just save? You want to save my career right here with this podcast? <laughs> I don't think I. <laughs> I. Good luck, man. Good luck, dude. Go for it. I'll help you. <laughs> I'm not against it. Because the fans in in our <laughs> genre know that you and I have worked together a lot. And let's call it a genre cuz our our genre is a fancy French thing and it needs it needs a fancy French word to describe what we do. Our movement. How would you descri- how would you describe it? A movement. Now it sounds that sounds worse. That sounds I'm not even going to go there. Whatever it is. I'm going to give you shit this whole podcast. <laughs> so where did we meet? Connecticut. Connecticut with the metal with the metal detectors. Yeah, because we were rappers, so they gave everyone a metal they had metal detectors for the kids. Well so that was just because it was a college. Was it? Did you hear my kid just then? Yeah, what's he doing right now? He's playing I don't know, Pokemon or No, he's probably playing Smash. He's been he's been playing Smash all morning, so That's what's up. On the Switch? Yeah. That's tight. How old is your son? He's five. He's five. He's fine now. He's fine. Now. He's doing good. Kindergarten? I got a babysitter. I got a babysitter in there. Yeah, if the schools are open. He was supposed to start in the fall. I don't even know, man. Oh, well, you know what should have happened? There should I should have pressed a button that said Tony, and he should have been injected out of our high-rise space apartment like the Jetsons. Keep it moving. Should have landed in his own little spacecraft, <laughs> and gone gone to kindergarten that way. But you know what we have? We're all wearing masks. We can't talk to each We can't touch each other. We can't look at each other. We can't share our opinions. We can't have conversations. We can't go on tour. You had a tour, right? Yeah. And don't even and forget about uh, sexual intercourse. You got to wear a hazmat suit now. Did you know that? If you try, if you try to do skin to skin, SWAT comes in through the window. Did you know that? That's why I. That's why I. That's why I'm asexual. Imagine being like a kid right now, like a college kid or a young person unable to date oh my god like you're not horny enough already parents must be like i haven't seen him in weeks it just sounds like he's building something in there i don't know what's going on but no let's talk about the pandemic so you had a tour with what's the transformers yeah with the real transformers and what happened the real ones a unicron hot rod i don't know how these guys know me but they know me yeah i used to have toys that looked just like him when i was a kid now these guys show up at my door they say, come on the road with us. And I'm like, I have a feeling this will be a very transformative experience. Hey! Hey, you love the puns. I beat you to the puns. That was good. Uh, <laughs> what are they called? The GoBot? No, what's the band called? For real. They're called the GoBots. That's an insult to an to a Transformers band. GoBots, GoBots is the not-so-good Transformers, I know. Not-so-good Transformers. They're the poor kid Transformers, you elitist bourgeois <laughs> robot collector <laughs> yeah so anyway so you, you had this tour you had this tour when did you last tour you toured the last tour was with Schaefer and Lex right yes feels so long ago but it was just in the fall and then I was out with a comedian in March for a couple of days and then 
Everything you really got in there just in the nick of time. We were so lucky, man. With your with your February tour, you got to finish your tour, go home, and then watch everything go to SHIT. And we had we did that because my son, we knew my son was going to be born in May, so we wanted to. I wanted to not be on tour when he was born. So usually people don't tour tour in February. So yeah, we were like weirdly lucky. Yep. But it was cold though, wasn't it? It was cold and it was scary driving sometimes. Yeah, take that. <laughs> take that. There's your discomfort right there. What have you been working on? What's it been like being home? Oh, what do you like to know? I'm not telling you anything. <laughs> okay, bye. No, I'm just kidding. What are your ideas? Takes out takes out a notebook. What are you what are your ideas right now, Chris? Licks the pen. <laughs> no, I'm in a dot. It's recorded, so anything you say. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. You don't even have to write stuff down. I'm such an old guy talking about analog stuff like pens. Uh, what am I working on right now? Okay, well, let's see. All right. I can't just give you the runaround the whole time. I'm working on a Marvel album, uh, and, and I'm working... Um, I've been kind of asking questions about Superman. Um, I've been reading a lot of Star Wars. Uh, I have a lot of different things coming up. So I'm just, what I'm doing right now is I'm just reading an outrageous amount of books because I'm trapped. And, um, that's it. I'm not going to reveal what books I'm reading, but, uh, I'm still very deep in Star Wars. And, and the next one is, is about Marvel, but it's about a lot of other stuff too. Everything will have a Marvel theme, but um, it might, the song content might be about uh, a variety of different things. Because as many of my fans know, I'm at a point in my life that is kind of a, a transitional. Not transformative, but a transitional. Uh, I'm buying a Trans Am is what's going to happen. No, I'm kidding. Those are, I don't have any money. Um, I'm buying a Trans Am Hot Wheels on eBay is how I'm going to start this path. To fame and fortune. Uh, no, but I'm just, I'm working on lots of, definitely lots of things. And I'm actually working on uh, my cartoon still. And I'm absorbing information for that. And right now I'm just filling the tank. Because I think the trick to being a creative person is to take breaks from pressuring yourself to have constant output. Uh, when sometimes you just have to live life and consume you know in our case nerdy stuff and or books kind of the same thing and just kind of chill out because i i don't like the idea that i have to have a a, a song to describe the current situation we're in just because i know by the time it comes out that situation will be over and there's really no point to it and and i don't really want to get too wrapped up in my personal life because i want um, the album to be enjoyable because that's what everyone wants. I think my past two albums, they've been they've been fun, but they've also been kind of downers. I think very introspective, and that's never kind of a a, a bright place to be. Although it's getting brighter. Um, so, you know, lots of things are happening. I think I always I always want to like make the next thing, and I'm always working on the next thing. I've never said to myself, "Oh, I guess that's it." I'm always like. Can I do eight albums before I'm 50? And then what will my albums sound like afterwards? And will I care? And I'm more curious about it than making a decision about any of it ahead of time. Because I feel like as a pioneer, I can kind of do whatever I want my whole life. I never really have to deal with any um, conforming or anything like that. I can kind of 
you know, just be me maybe the whole time. And there's, there's all these new revenue streams that have come up since the pandemic. It's just made me hustle harder. And, and you see that maybe albums don't make as much money or concerts don't make as much money as maybe focusing more on internet stuff and stuff online. And, and now that we're really forced to do it, I think a lot of us are coming up with new ways of just kind of communicating the same ideas in just different ways. And we're, we don't have to be so attached to outdated formats like the album or the EP or, or yeah. whatever. You know, you can do it in a variety of different ways. My next album is coming in parts like I did Goes to Hell um, just because that way I can get people music faster, which is kind of what I want to do. But, I, you know, there's that this old cliche, which is I shall serve no wine before it's time. I think Weird Al uses it. And yeah. don't be stupid. And uh, I def I, I oh, feel yeah, that way yeah. about my music, though. I feel like don't want to serve it up until it's ready. Don't want to pressure myself. I took art classes in high school, and I was supposed to do AP portfolio my senior year, and they really just wanted me to churn it out. And I had my junior year, I had spent like three months on an REM drawing, and then and it was a lot like my experience in the animation industry, where I went from taking my time with a project to being asked to like, you know, pump it out really fast just for someone else's um, accolades or for someone else, make someone else look good. And I think I could tell even as a kid, I was like, this is kind of whack and this is kind of lame. And um, I, I definitely mm. would much rather have the album be good and rather than like rush it out or even I know, I don't know how you feel, but in between albums, I'm kind of beating myself up that there isn't an album right away for them. Because you watch how other performers do it, and they'll have like an album out, and then they'll put another one out, and it'll be a secret, or they'll do it in some cool new way. And you're like, oh, I got to do that. I got to work harder. I got to put out three albums, and it's all got to come out with no advertising. And then the tour's <laughs> got to follow, and every, you know, it's yeah. got to be this amazing thing. But I think you know, everyone in, on our level, we're just kind of like country western bands or Chitlin Circuit kind of performers, where hand to mouth. No one's really rich, and you kind of have to just uh, figure stuff out and acclimate with the times, you know, or just kind of roll with the punches. Um, so, and I think a lot of us has, have done that. You're really great at doing that. You're like the business pro of the genre. You're like someone who's figured out how to survive, whether it be crashing at your parents' place or investing money or whatever it is. You know, you figure out a way to, like, keep it going. And that's that's like a you know a survival instinct. It's it's a new way that we're approaching the making music in general because a lot of people are told to stop, and you go off and become a drug addict that can commit suicide or get murdered or whatever it happens to all the people that make music. And I think none of us are dying and we're all kind of surviving. And it's just because we're industrious and we're if things go left we go left. If things go right we go right. If, if things change we can't be you know, hesitant. That's why you'll see us always trying whatever it is. And, um, and I'm, and I'm no different than that. And especially because I have a family to provide for, I'm just like, yeah, I'll do cameo. Yeah. I mean, I just got my cameo check. I just got mm. my Facebook check. Um, and it was great. You know, like I'm ha I have a job. Yeah. People say, get a job. And I'm like, well, I'm, this is my job and I have this audience that I built and this is what people do. And, you can hold, you can like hold my feet to the fire, but really, you just don't know what's going on on the other side of the wall. Which is, this stuff is old hat, and kids have been doing this for a long time. And okay, boomer is a thing that kids say now. 
I don't know if you've heard of this. It's called OK. It's called OK Boomer. I got OK Boomer on one of my comics because I was talking about how kids don't know who Grandmaster Flash is, and they're like, OK, Millennial Boomer. A kid wrote that, and I was like, ouch. <laughs> That hurts. <laughs> You're not a boomer, are you? You're a millennial. Well, I'm born in 82, right? So what's the cutoff? Yeah, you're a millennial. Older millennial. Oh, you want to you want you want to throw older in there so you can get some Uncle Phil action. <laughs> you're Gen X, right? Yeah, I'm cool, man. I sound like an X-Men. Yeah, that's what's up. <laughs> yeah, I'm like Nightcrawler. And I also I also saw the first day I ever did drugs. Yeah. I uh was watching Reality Bites. Oh. I went and saw Reality Reality Bites and then I ate mushrooms. And I and I can I can I can verify or I can attest to the fact that while I was tripping I said reality bites <laughs> in a facetious tone. Wait, you did mushrooms after you saw the movie or before? You do it after, isn't that what you're supposed to do? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yes, I did it after, and you're not supposed to do it that way. <laughs> it was my first time, Lars. Why rub it in my face? I remember for an hour I was like, "Are we tripping? Are we tripping? Is this tripping?" Yeah. I was like, a, I was like uh, one of the Marx Brothers. If they did LSD humor. Do you still enjoy writing raps or does it feel like a boring chore? I don't do it unless I want to do it. That's the trick. Okay. Wow. That's good. So sometimes I won't write for a long time because I'm just like, nope, not feeling it. The environment's not right. That cup's in the wrong place. I can't <laughs> do it. Right. But then when, but if what I feel is like, okay, if I'm not in the mood to write, let's absorb as much information as possible. So when I do sit down to write... My vocabulary is improved. Uh, you know, I, I know slang. I know a whole bunch of new words I've absorbed because I'm basically like a word collector with like yeah. with my metal detector on the beach, but with words. And I've absorbed a whole bunch of new stuff. And that's like going to make the song better. The song, literally, when I sit down to write a song, it should take a half an hour or an hour. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and but that definitely then you go in and I circle every and then I underline everything that's unacceptable or I put it in red or whatever and any line that I don't feel is great or any line that doesn't fit the flow and a lot of it is math as you know with the syllables and what have you yeah you said something that I'll never forget that I always think when I'm writing man you when we did our song in 2005 you said I said um two things the first one was like Chris is that line good enough do you think that's good enough and you said only you can know that Lars and I think that was dope that you said that to me because I was like, yeah, I don't need to look for outside approval from people I look up to. It's nice to have their approval. But when you said that, I was like, yeah, if I think it's, also it's dope. Impossible. It's also it's an impossible journey. It's like a journey with no end. To look, you know, you'll, 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 yeah. You you got to only um, meet your own standards. And, you know, yeah. I know if I've used a word a hundred times or if I don't want to use it in a song. It's very apparent to me. It's like a glaring giant mole on my face if I and sometimes I'll like put the whole album together and then I'll do a word search and count which words I use the most and wow and I'll be like oh I'm so ashamed I'm using I use the 65 <laughs> times uh but you know it's like yeah I really want to keep the words new I don't I don't like using a word I've used on a previous album yeah <laughs> it's and I actually like have to let go because it and it's part of modern day rappers dismantling the music um they've kind of made it so you don't know what they're saying and the beats are barely there and it's given me the freedom to like kind of pull back a little bit and not care as much use a word i've used before or even rhyme a word with the same word yeah. or do something that someone else might compare see it see as lazy but really it's just me kind of always trying to stay current or know what's going on because at the end of the day i want to be a hip-hop fan 
I mean, I definitely, it's definitely almost feels like a nostalgic thing, though, now, because it's the style I, and everything I love, I know it's just 90s, and I just love that period, and I'll always love it, and it doesn't sound like it, like that anymore. Um, some really great rappers will occasionally sound like a rapper from the 90s. Right, you know? right, right, right. But, but uh, you know, everything's different now, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's, if you study art history, you know that people just kind of, they build things up and then they break them down and who doesn't everyone ants do that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Everybody, everybody's in on that. Well, and you also, I remember you told me, um, if you ever stuck on a lyric, go back to the line before and ask yourself what question that line is asking. And then that will tell you what you need to answer. And that might seem kind of obvious. Uh, I gave you, I gave you too much advice. You gave me two, two jabs. Do you remember when you told me that? <laughs> No, man. Too much advice. <laughs> well, I mean, I always feel like sometimes you get you. I think when you say a rhyme, it's already memorized and it's a motor skill if you've been doing it long enough. Yeah. And sometimes you just have to make sure there are no bumps in the road that would make you fall out of place. So it's like every rhyme kind of the last word or even just how the first line is said tells you exactly what to do in the second line. Yeah, it's like it's it's all laid out. The spot, the the structures laid out, the skeletons laid out, and all you have to do is kind of. It's just like if you listen to early Beatles songs, they're like singing about scrambled eggs, and there's everything's a placeholder, and they're kind of mumbling through their songs. Talk about sign writing. Um, can we talk about our sign writing? Songwriting. What we didn't talk about sign writing. Song. I like using re I like using the color red. Because it, it, it taps into your your instinct to to seek out blood. That's that's what that's what McDonald's that's what McDonald's does. Oh, okay, go ahead, you go. So our friendship has been, I think, ninety percent tight over the years. I thought you were gonna say ninety percent jokes, <laughs> but go but go ahead. Are you gonna are you are you grading our relationship now? If your wife is listening, I hope you she realizes you do this. <laughs> we've had a good friendship over the years but there's times when we haven't talked as much or been as close we never talk what are you talking about we never talk what are you talking about we never talk you mean only when we're on the road we what, talk what do you think we're on a boat together fishing <laughs> no i'm saying like <laughs> we've been on the road together we've traveled the globe together uh-huh we've done hundreds of shows and you and you and you want me to call you in between tours and say I miss you. What's your hairstyle? What are you eating today? What do you what do you like berries? Friendships in music, right? Are they more contextual and business? Are they do they transcend that? Because that's They're non-existent. You don't think so? It's a bad it's a it's a battlefield. <laughs> you heard Pat Benatar. Okay, well, do you think so or do you feel or do you feel like there are people in that you've worked with that you consider friends? I know there's people that it, the, how I feel Yeah. is that these are your coworkers. Right, and they're also your peers, and your bros. Right, most of them are guys. We're all most of us are guys, but I mean, I can call any of you guys about anything all the time, and I like to maintain that and keep it that way. And that's probably my just my adult mind thinking, but I think we'd all show up at each other's funerals. It's that kind of friendship. Yeah. And by the way, we're all gonna blow up in a plane crash. I'm sorry, I didn't want to tell you this, but I'm a prophet, and um. The stones, the stones tell the tale. I don't read. I just read the stones. Um, <laughs> so anyway, but yeah, I think that, you know, if, if I have a question about, I think I checked in on almost everybody when, when the shit hit the fan and I'm just, you know, if you lived in Brooklyn, I was like, is everything okay? Are you okay? 
and I don't know. It's like that. It's just, it's more like a family, and we've all we're all split up across the country. Yeah. Sometimes you ha- you sometimes you have lunch, but I don't think you have to um, cultivate a friendship unless it's just natural. I mean, I always think of it like tourist camp. Mm-hmm. You have these camp you have these camp relationships, and then you go home and you keep your camp relationships at camp. And if you maintain camp relationships outside of camp. Maybe it's a little weird. I don't know. You know, it's like it's like yeah. that kid at camp who's like, I, I keep sending you letters. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the letters back? I thought we were friends. That's something. And like noticing like on Warp Tour, right? Certain people on the first Warp Tour are very much all about keeping in touch and like, how are you doing social media, right? When it's their first Warp Tour, then you realize your second and other ones, it's more about business. Is it about business at Warp Tour? Yeah. Well, I guess you're thinking about business when you wake up at 7 o'clock in the morning and mo- set up your merch tent. Yeah. You're not really doing that for the love of the game, I don't Set think. up your merch tent five five <laughs> times. You have to move it, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because some guy with a cooler band has to have it a certain way because you're not cool and I'm here to remind you. Right. All summer. Yeah. But you know what, though? I love it. I love a challenge. Yeah. And I always feel like rock and roll is just like an obstacle course, and you always want the obstacle course to get a little different. Like, there's times in Warped Tour where I'm pushing my merch, like, through the woods, like a trail in the woods. Right. You know, it's just like not, you know, your your ideal situation is concrete. But I've, I've had to just, like, you know, just had the most difficult merch challenge <laughs> that you can get. It's like one of these shows, these Japanese game shows, you know? It's just like... Uh, <laughs> Can you get this across the river and on the bridge and then up the thing? And then can you get it inside the parking lot and you're in the wrong place and you, you messed up? Start over. And give me some, and give me some money. Right. There's a shake. There's a shakedown everywhere you go. Remember that toothless, that toothless bastard always coming up getting, saying, where's my money? Your, your commission for the warp Tour. Ugh. And he always kissed, he always kissed Watsky's ass. He did. And I just, I, I, at, right at the end. Right at the end of Warped Tour, I was like, you, I'm going to, I screw, I think I scream. I think I gave him the business. You know what the business, I gave it to one of your exes. Oh yeah, right. Oh God. <laughs> at the Troubadour. At the Troubadour. <laughs> you did. You don't want to get the business. You don't want to wake the dragon. Okay. You know what? There's, well, there's, there's, there's two Chris's. There's three Chris's. Whoa, 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 whoa. There's many me's. <laughs> well, there's the Chris, like right now, like the, fr- the friendly. I don't like you. I don't like you acting like you got me figured out. I am a mystery. I'm a mystery. <laughs> That's true. I've never figured you out. I don't want you in some tour van on some tour saying I got Chris figured out. I don't want it. I don't even want to think about this scenario. Okay, I won't say that. You know, there's Chris who's gregarious and friendly, who's like life of the party. There's Chris who's thoughtful and on his own and wants space. And then there's Chris who is stands up. I can be thoughtful and on my own in one space at a party. Yeah. Let me just tell you, I've done it many times. Uh, no, I, I, I know how, when we've worked together, I know, I know how to read you. Know when it's time to talk to you and be friendly and joyful. No, when it's not. Oh, really? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, because. Are we married? Are we married? <laughs> no, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just saying that. Um. That's a skill that I've taken working with you and work with other people. You know me. Sometimes I'm all, like, here's an example. We were in New Orleans. At- Are you saying like you, I taught you how to be a two-faced bastard? Is that what you're saying to me? You've taught me how to read how to read the room because I've had to hone my antenna, my room reading skills. Imagine if I had taught you how to read and I was like, come here, little Lars. <laughs> <laughs> What's the B sound? That's what I'm doing now. 
But it'd be so. It would make sense that you liked right. books so much because it, then it would make sense. Because Chris taught me to read. No, um, yeah. tell me if you if you remember this. We were in New Orleans and we played House of Blues, and they, the commission on the merch was. To- don't 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 we sound like Lewis and Clark? <laughs> What? Like we were in New Orleans. Remember when we were in Stonehenge or that time in New Orleans when we were time travelers? Okay, go ahead. There, we've been in a lot of cities. Yeah. Th- there's, a, there's a huge merch commission. New Orleans, New Orleans, they wanted $700 from me. Because you sold El Hello merch as you do every show. And you, and you tried to flip it positive. Yeah, you remember this? And I snapped at you. I said. And you are traumatized. You know there's medication. You know there's, it's called cannabis sativa. You gotta try it. It'll erase all your memories. I was a lesson because I was like, you can't just automatically force the joyful smiles on someone who's like having a rough time. You have, you have to change all the time. You gotta change all the time. Yeah. Being automatic, being automatic, that's only for the people. Ask Michael Stipe. Hey! You don't have to say hey after I do a joke. Nobody even knows who Ed McMahon is anymore. Everyone's Googling Ed McMahon. Everyone's Googling. Why are they talking about this? Let's talk about what, how being a dad has informed you as an artist and like any dad advice you could give me. I can't be an artist anymore. That's what it's done. Say goodbye to creativity. <laughs> Say goodbye to owning your brain. Say goodbye to thinking thoughts. Say goodbye to sleep. <laughs> Say goodbye to being able to function. Say goodbye to pooping with the door closed. <laughs> Didn't you have you put out music since Tony was born? I thought you were gonna say, Didn't you poop out with the door closed before Tony was born? <laughs> uh yes I did, Lars, and thank you for bringing that up. How do you balance Dad Chris with MC artist Chris. Are you reading from your computer no, screen? No, it's all from my brain. This is this is all fresh? Yeah. Off off the skittle? Off the, the skillet. <laughs> Sorry. What dad advice can you give me? Okay, you don't have to buy anything. Don't buy anything. You're going to have to throw it all away and try to get rid of it. Mm. All you need to entertain him is like a bag of plastic cups and some spoons. Okay? You don't have to buy clothes. He will not... Is it a he? It's a he, yeah. He will not... L- be in these clothes for longer than a day don't buy him a coat or a sweater or anything until he's like five okay because he's going to be in it for a nanosecond so just get a million gerber things from amazon i don't care who died making it just do that okay and don't try to be a hippie with your diapers just have them delivered get on amazon subscription service and save a dollar there okay you never have to spend money don't accept the food and if you're doing it with the boobies you just got to feed the lady Right. I don't know if you're doing it with the boobies, but you got to be able to feed the baby. That's important because the whole idea is keep them alive. And you've done that well. Five years and counting. Yes. Yeah. And they will always tell you what to do. They'll tell you when they're sleepy. They'll tell you when they're mad. If they're mad, they're hungry. If you ever see a crying baby, it's because the mom's being a jerk with the boobs. Or the mom can't make the booby milk and she's not being a jerk. But I'm still going to judge you, jerk mom. Just feed the baby right there while you're walking. I don't care. Because uh, babies need the milk. You know, they need a lot of the milk. Oh, God, I love milk. Nice cold glass of milk. Um, so anyway, it's different for me. I like it cold. Um, but let's see, what else can I tell you? Um, just there's so much unnecessary stuff. Yeah. You're going to feel like you're a failure all the time. Everyone feels like a failure. Don't let anyone make you feel like you're messing up as a parent. Unless, of course, you're being abusive to your child, and then you can let them make you feel that way. Right. Um, but 
other than that, I'd say it's just like it's a lot cheaper than that you think it's going to be. You don't need any of the stuff you get, mm. and by the end of it, you're a pro. I mean, in the beginning, it's really tough. I had to go on anti-anxiety meds because I was so scared of him getting hurt. Yeah. All the time, I was afraid he was going to get hurt. But babies are, like, indestructible. Not really, but they're really bouncy, you know? Yeah. Like, they're just kind of made of mush, and they're bouncing. Right. And they're warm, too. Get one just for the warmth. He's laughing at my jokes from the other room. So, uh, but yeah, you know, you just got to kind of worry less. Maybe you don't have to freak out about childproofing. Keep all your poison high up. <laughs> don't keep it under the sink like our parents did. What's the matter with you, Mom? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just like you don't have to freak out as much as you think. The child's not going to die. You know, when the, he's sleeping in another room, you think he's dead. He's not dead. I thought he was dead every day. So, But I, that might just be my natural instincts amped up. Mm. Um, it could have just been natural anxiety that was there, you know. So, uh, but yeah, it's difficult, and you don't have to go through that because the baby's going to be okay. The baby's going to live. Just you know, do your best. Pay attention. Keep an eye on them. Keep a camera on them if you're not there. Um, okay. You get the fifteen dollar high chair from IKEA. It's like. It's like the best th thing you're gonna have. You're, it's, you're, you know, you don't need to buy anything. It's like three hundred bucks. That's tight. You don't need to buy. You don't need to make a baby list. It's like millions of bucks. If you make a baby list, make it Amazon gift cards or something like you know that you're gonna use, and make it make it loosey goosey instead of just a bunch of stuff that you're gonna be like, how do I get rid of it? And you know what, dude, it ends up in a garbage bag next to a dumpster. Yeah. So you ended up having to do that with a bunch of stuff, you think? Just because I needed space, yeah. Yeah. So my diaper pail, my, you know. I mean, he was really just curious about the world around them. I mean, yeah, I have toys for them, but they don't need a single toy for like the first three years. Wow. You know, they yeah. and, and they and you can you can read to them, but they don't need a they don't need any books right away. They just don't need anything right away except for all a kid ever wants is attention. Right. It's all they ever want. When in the beginning, though, Tony was like, if you held him, he'd be like, he'd dive out of my arms. Right. He, he you know, like he did not want to be held. Uh -huh. And now he wants me constantly. But in the beginning, he didn't want anything to do with me. He's just like, I'm going to the records. I'm going to get the vinyl. I want to get the records. That's all he thought every day. <laughs> yeah. And I, I childproofed the house with merch boxes. I just like kind of put cardboard everywhere down low so he couldn't bump into anything. or And, mm. and it wasn't great, but it's just like I felt... I didn't know what to do. I just, there's so many things that were down low, like media and video games and stuff like that. Books. I mean, they just want to get into our stuff. Yeah. They don't want toys. They just want to get into our stuff. That's the toys. So don't buy anything. Save it all for college. I know, right? Calculate how much Ugh. college is going to cost 18 years from the birth. It's in the millions. Yeah. Oh, God. Wow. You think so? Yeah. 250 a year. Wow. That's crazy. That's a lot of money. I mean, there's gonna be there's gonna be cheaper schools, but you know, yeah, it's only gonna get more expensive. And we had it made. Did you have any student debt when you graduated? No, my dad paid for everything. So your relationship with your own dad, how has it like informed you as a dad? Are there things that he did differently that you do differently? You just you understand your parents more. Yeah, you see them in a you see them in a human light. Yeah. Um, you understand that like nobody's perfect, and to be watched like a child watches a parent. It's hard to kind of stand up to that judgment. 
and or at least the way I would judge my dad. And I, you'd have no sense of how much stress the dad's going through or whoever's in charge of finances. Yeah. And so I understand him a lot better now that I'm in charge of everything and have to pay for everything myself. Um, and, but the cool thing is, is like, there's like every day there's something where I'm like, my, I never got this, you know, this never happened. You know, he, Tony gets so much more time, almost like he gets me all day almost. And he, um, you know, sees me from sunup to sundown. Yeah. And, uh, it wasn't like that with my dad at all. I wouldn't see him in the mornings and he would come home at six and, there wasn't any time for kids at night. There was just like, maybe you watch TV together, but he would be watching adult stuff and like Magnum PI. And you're like, I'm not into mustaches and, uh, Dukes of Hazzard. That's a different, you know, scenario, but, um, black lives matter by the way. And, um, so, but yeah, he, he really wasn't around. And even on the weekends, it was just like, maybe you can catch, catch a ride on errands right. or maybe you can kind of hang out, hang out with him as he does his things. But there wasn't anything like it is now where it's like, let's play Pokemon go for an hour. My dad literally threw a Frisbee to me once and then went inside. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's it. He never played with me. I brought my GI Joe classified cards to him all the time. Yeah. I'd be like, dad, look, this GI Joe is this guy. And he does this, 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 mm. and this, and he's got this flashlight here and he's got these red goggles. And isn't he cool? And yes, I'm describing low light. And, uh, you know, and he'd be like, very nice, very interesting. He was nice. He wasn't like a jerk, but he just wasn't engaged. And so I'm like engaged, you know, all the time. You know, I know, I know where he is in Zelda. I know, you know, where he is in Smash. Uh, I know, uh, what's going on with like how, what makes him feel comfortable. Like reading gives him anxiety, but words with three letters don't. And, Adding 1 to 10 doesn't give him anxiety, but adding 1 to 12 does. And so I notice, like, when he's just like, eh, I don't like this too much. And, um, yeah. you know, you just, like, the baby tells you the whole time what to do and what's right and wrong. And, um, you know, I don't know. So I think I'm doing a good job. There's ways I could be better. Uh, but I, I also know that you can't be a perfect parent, and you have to kind of be thinking... You know, why am I punishing myself all the time? It's not helping the baby. And I always think about in, in the airplane when they say, put your mask on first and then put it on the baby. And so you always just kind of have to make sure you're taking care of yourself, that you have enough energy, that you're well-fed, that you're well-rested. Yeah. And and that's really important. And then you can kind of deal with whatever the baby's throwing at you. And you'll be able to learn how to read him and then pred predict what he's going to do and, you know, kind of have the food ready before you know he's upset and know why he's upset and, and not taking him someplace where he's going to get upset and deny him food. And it's because you're not thinking about the baby anymore. And so it's just like, mm. just li just listen, just like any yeah. other part of life, ro romance, you got to listen, jobs, you got to listen, babies, you got to listen, got to listen with, listen to you all the time. Talk. Yeah. Jokes. Yeah. That's good. Uh, it's like a song. It's like the song tells you what the cadence of the line tells you what the next line is going to be like. Being a parent is like fi finding a rhythm with that, right? In a way. Yeah, you shouldn't. It sh it should be. It should be without. It's like when you first are given a baby, you're like, oh, I don't want to break this uh, bomb, or this bomb will explode. Mm -hmm. And by the end, you're just like grabbing an arm, throwing some clothes on, you're just like turn the baby around, flipping around, throwing some pants on him, you know, it's just like, you're, fl yeah. I mean, he and I, re he and I need wrestle every day and 
I just, I'm just taught, I'm just going like, like treat him like a pizza. <laughs> and you know, he that's loves tight. That's tight. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just less about fear and more about just listening. And, um, and don't even think about the world. Uh, don't think about what does the future hold? Cause that really is just not serving him in any way. Mm. I mean, you can teach him how to fight and how to like build a, build a survival tent or whatever, you know, teach him how to hunt. Maybe these might be some skills that might come in handy, mm. but I mean, I just make, I just kind of keep things scrappy. You know, I just think about bear cubs and like bear cubs like to scrap with each other. All animals like to scrap and you kind of, I want to scrap with them a little bit just so, you know, I want to toughen them up a little bit just because I don't know what the world's going to be like and I don't want them to be as soft as I was, but maybe it's, maybe I just make softies. Who knows? It's my favorite ice cream. Why shouldn't I? <laughs> but it's the commodity, the ultimate commodity is the time that you can share with him, which being a f- artist with your own business is like, you're allowed to do that. You don't have to go hit punch a clock. You get to be home with him. Well, you do. You do yeah. have to make stuff and you do have to make videos, make social media, yeah. do all the stuff you did before and you got less time to do it. Yeah. And, and, and also your focus is gone. So you're going to feel that's, that's a really difficult struggle. And, but you know, you. I think all of us in our genre have had it made because um, we've been able to make our own rules, do whatever we want, have a lot of luxuries that no other musicians had. You know, had before because we had technology and we had independence. You know, all kinds of stuff like that. So I, yeah. a lot of us have put put off being adults. Front and Schaefer, maybe they'll be inspired by you. We'll see. Mega, we don't know what's going on with these guys. Got to have we got we got to build a next generation. We got to build the young Avengers. We were the 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 new mutants. Yeah. Yeah. Who else has had, has a kid? Doc Ock, suppose. Did he get one? Niles just had a second, I think. Oh yeah. Suppose yeah. Had, suppose has like fifteen kids. Four, right? I think. Do you think Frontlot will ever have a kid? Um, I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. Kind of attracted to Frontlot. Sometimes I want to call him up and be like, "You want to raise this baby together, dude." <laughs> That's what, he'd be a good dad, second dad. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Something Frontalot said that I think is so tight. I always think about this. He says, "Because we were never cool, we were never we never became uncool and out of style. Our fans never were like, oh, that's played out.' I've always been cool, but you don't you don't think I'm cool? <laughs> well, you don't think I'm cool? Well, tell me honest. I think. Well, I think you're." You think I'm not cool? This podcast is over. Don't you know how to keep a podcast guest on the air? We've never been like, um, we've never had a pop hit song that made us like mainstream. I've had a hit. I've been in the movies. I've been on TV. Why are you comparing me to you? You're different then. I am different. I like it when you said it. Okay. You don't like this anymore. You've had more (laughs) commercial success than any of the other nerdcore rappers. That's true. I'm gonna say I'm sampling that, and that's on the that just sentence is going. That's playing. That's my alarm. That's my ringtone. <laughs> if you look at your not, if you look at your sales, your streams, your move, your placements, all that stuff, you open. Keep talking, Lars. <laughs> I do. What's the question? Because it's the answer is I do. The question is, Frontalas said that we because we were never cool. We never have become uncool. But maybe do you feel? How do you feel now? You guys have always been uncool. Right? That's what he's saying. Right. Which is kind of (laughs) mean. Kind of mean. Kind of works against the whole idea of nerdcore and loving yourself. 
Okay. We are cool. We are the cool kids. You have to believe it. You want proof? Yeah. Who are we? Are we going to the NFL for characters, for for T-shirt images? No. I guess we are, but they're coming and they're borrowing our nerdy stuff. They like our Spider-Man. Right. They like our Lord of the Rings. Now Disney's in on it. They're like, hey, Disney's like, hey, we like Star Wars. We're making Star Wars over here. You like us now? Everybody's everybody everybody's in on this nerd stuff. And why? Because we were cool all along. But we were, okay. Ye ye of little faith. I know you've read your Bible. I know you know the word ye. I like how you say I have two different me's. As if there's a Chris Ward and an MC Chris. How dare you, sir? Is it possible to have a niche audience that no matter what, they're going to follow us and help us pay to like raise our sons? No, they're barely here right now. They're barely here. We're squeezing. We are robbing nerds of their extraneous cash. Do you feel that's happened? We are just... We, if you say the Nerdcore Mafia, you turn around. You run the other way. They want your pennies and your shekels. They'll take a rune. They don't care. They just want it. Do you think it's peaked for us? It peaked in 2006. Are you not looking at the numbers? You think it did? <laughs> we always have, but see that, but that doesn't, that's not a scale. That's not a, that's not a source of measurement. It's all, you, you are always in your own mind and you're always saying to yourself, is this good enough for me? Do I like this? Am I satisfied? If I said, am I satisfied with this right. show? Was that tour good? Was that fan interaction quality? You know, that's all you care about. Yeah. You don't care about anything else. And you can uh -huh. hustle. You can, you can turn it up three times as hard as you're doing it now and never see your wife and your kid again and just go crazy until you're a millionaire, you know? But that's no life. Right. I mean, as far as I can tell. And I, th and I think we all have it made and that we can travel, we can be at home and be artists we can absorb culture you know i think we got a nice cushy spot but i think it's it's you know it's coming to an end if you don't keep the fires going so how do you keep the fires going i'm always, i don't know i'm always just i always want to do the next thing i always want to write the next song i always want it to be good as soon as i sit down to the challenge it's like a job worth doing in my mind so you know i don't look down on it and i yeah. feel lucky to do it and gratitude makes you feel better um, it's weird to have been doing this for as long as I have. It's like over 20 years. Um, but you know, I studied something in school and I do it for a living. It's not that weird, I guess. Do you see another 20 years? Uh, I don't know. What is, what is Chuck D at now? What's his age? Chuck D's, wow, he's 59. Okay, so we've got that many more years. That's good. And then whatever he's doing, if he's not fighting with Flav. Well, see, the thing is, is that I'm the same age as the Run the Jewels guy. I'm younger than Eminem and Jay-Z. Right. These are my canaries in the coal mine, as it were. As long as they're going. They're my canaries, not vice versa. I put them in a cage. Right. Except for Jay-Z. He can be free. I know why the cage bird sings. You don't have to tell me. You're saying because hip-hop is relatively new, there's no aging out of it yet because the, the OGs are still getting older. We, You make your own rules. You make your own rules. In my point of view, that... Pop music is geared towards teenagers. The stories are always about teenage love and romance. Right, right. And the, and the club. And, like, that's the content. That's the content, you know, recycle, rinse, repeat. Uh, I don't think recycle goes into that series of three. But, um, yeah, I mean, 
I think the point of view of an adult, like Cat Stevens or Jim Croce, like those are really amazing songwriters to me because they yeah. talk about aging. They talk about become, being a child and becoming going to being a man, you know? And uh, I think those points of view are awesome. You don't want to buy a Weezer album and, and have them be talking about sweaters. We did it! It's a sweater song already! Don't make me... You see my hand? I pound it. We don't need it! We don't need it! I want to hear Rivers Cuomo being like, I have a kid with my wife. You know, that's what I want him to sing. And I want to know how, I want to know everyone's point of view, and they got to make it catchy. And it can't be like a Paul McCartney album. Like, you don't want to listen to Paul McCartney's new album or Elton John's new album, you know? And you want to like, you want it to be a good album. You want it to be interesting. If you're just making bad music and, and people are just giving you money and you're making bad music, then I think it's definitely time to check yourself. Yeah. I think you probably have already wrecked yourself and you're not aware. There should be a bell that goes off when you wreck yourself. You know what I'm saying? That bell would have gone off many times for me, let me tell you. And so it's, and that's like, why break something that's working, you know? It's kind of irresponsible to do this. Nobody's me and I'm struggling. So, you know, and you and I might have, uh, you know, the same amount of um, people coming to our shows. Right. But, you know, I know how little money there is in this. <laughs> it's not a responsible thing to do. It's kind of like just saying I just refusing to grow up ever. Like maybe I can get through this whole life without growing up. It's something, it's something everybody should think about if they are struggling artists and they have people that they're supporting. Uh-huh. It's got to be smart. I don't want to steer you, I don't want to steer you the wrong way, you know, because, uh, I don't know, it's struggling so much of it. It's less about content, more about, um, crowdfunding and, you know, it's, it's less about albums and less about quality and more about just give me something to watch and it's easily dismissed. And it's, it's not the environment isn't what it used to be. I know the venues are, if things aren't popping, you can definitely feel like, what am I, chopped liver? You can feel like chopped liver, uh, which is not a very popular product. I, I just want to let you know it's not hot. It's not a hot cake. And that's a hot take from MC Chris. Happy 2020, everyone. Don't forget your mask. I don't know. There's also something about being being able to keep going because you just want to and figuring it out, right? Figuring out how to make the money and figuring out how to do it. And that is a unique thing and a positive thing. Don't ignore the don't ignore uh, what's staring you in the face, though. If that that might be responsibility, adulthood, right? You know, Niles is a, Niles should be a role model, not me. Niles is a very responsible guy who provides for his family, has two kids. He has a house, I think. He has a yard. Yeah. These are things we you want to achieve that I may not be able to achieve because I'm kind of stuck in this life. Um, I think I think you might have more possibilities as being a teacher, and you talked about being a teacher, and maybe that's something you're waiting for. And Hey, I understand. You want to stay in scary places, make no money, uh, get mistreated. <laughs> I understand it. There's a thrill. There's a thrill to it all. No, you gotta go to scary... I mean, you gotta go to scary hotels. You gotta be up at a scary time at night. You gotta deal with cops. You gotta deal with... Yeah. Drunk people. Drunk people. Pe venue staff. Uh, anything. Anything, you know? Right. You never know what's gonna happen. Yeah. It's kind of like the New York subway. How you're just kind of always waiting for a fight. 
And, um, but anyway, it's just, I don't want you to, don't look at life with rose-colored glasses, okay? If you can, if you can keep the, keep it going, maybe you and I can bust out a couple more tours, you know? Working together as a team, like a Voltron, instead of like a Hydra. I think that is what's <laughs> been like great is being able to do this together um, with you and all the other homies in the scene. And <laughs> it's been great when it's great. Sometimes working with you, I just need to be able to get my brain, know how to give you space on the road and know how to have my own Zen and know how to get my business together. I have just, I just know how to like be in my own head Yeah, because there's so much chaos all around me that I can't handle it. I know. I know. And so it's very easy for me to just sit anywhere and just kind of like <laughs> be in my own world. In terms of like, am I a social being? I get real, sh I think I get real shy when I'm not being my alter ego, you know, when I, and I, uh, um, but that's what, was, that's what's nice about those late night waffle houses and what have you. I think, I think we've all, ha I think we've all had a good time. It's there to be cherished and not to be questioned. There you go. And I just heard a ring video game ring sound. Like I just did something right. That's what's up. Bing. So deal with um, Ding. Did I fill an hour? Yeah, you did a good hour. This is good. We got into realness. All right. Can I do all my things? Can I do all my things? Can I request something, though, before we end? You're not going to make me freestyle, are you? <laughs> I have to drop acid, and I don't want to do it. And I, I will do it. <laughs> but then I got to be high on acid all day. For some po At some point, you and I unfollowed each other on Twitter. I want us to follow each other on Twitter so we can be Twitter friends. Oh, um, well, sometimes, uh, sometimes I think if things give me anxiety or make me upset or I'm afraid of you making a mistake, uh, I can want to not want to see what you say. But, but buddy... Look me in the eye right now. Look me in the screen eyes. Okay. And know in your heart of hearts, we are always going to be friends. I'm always going to love you. Don't worry about anything else. All right. Okay, I won't. Seriously. And you can always come to me and ask me anything. Talk to me about anything. Write me anytime you want. And I will continue to talk trash behind your back. <laughs> no, I won't. I love you. I love you too. I love you. I love you. No, I want you to be. I want you to be healthy. I want you to be happy. I want that for your wife. I want that for your kid. Yeah. I want that for everybody in my genre, and definitely, I feel like respons I feel responsible for everybody. And if I suffer, everyone has to know that it's happening. Or if it's not going well, or if things are ending, everyone has to know that it's happening. Because I, I think uh, a lot of us like to like pretend we're bigger than we are. Me included. And it's not healthy. It's toxic poison. It is it's poison yeah. toxicity. So you're saying that you're <laughs> saying that the social media and all this stuff like that doesn't matter. It's man versus man. Life is man versus man. Man versus himself. Excuse right. Me. Right. And that we are there for each other in the long run, and it's all good. It's all hell, and we're and we're just there to carry each other across the finish line. Well, it's the same. You can always, if you ever need a friend to talk to. And what would this what would this genre have been without some beefs? Some beef, right? That's we true. wouldn't. It, there would be no blips. <laughs> without the beef, you don't get the blips. It wouldn't be interesting. <laughs> and you know what I'm what I'm saying is that you got to keep it interesting. Me and YT Cracker, yeah, we duel by a river at dawn every three years, and it just keeps things. It keeps it interesting. But you love him. No. Him? No, I don't like him. Especially how he dresses. What is this? What a thug! Ooh, can't say that word. I dropped the I, I dropped the th word. The th bomb. 
I was speaking about TH bombs. I got to get out of here. I got a THC bomb. I got to do. What can you plug? What do you want? What can we promote? Dollywood. It's fun. Get in there. Don't worry about the lines. Have you been? It's hard. Don't leave your house right now. Oh. Okay. So here are my plugs. You can do Cameo, Cameo.com slash Jar Jar Fett. Have me wish somebody a happy 4th of July, happy birthday, whatever it is. Happy summer. Hope we get through this pandemic. I'm there for you. Cameo.com slash Jar Jar Fett. Patreon.com slash MC Chris. Yo, you get an ID card. You get a code name. You get merch. You get merch promised to you. That's what happens. And maybe will it arrive? That's part of the journey. And then we also have MC Chris PayPal, which is MC Chris Fanmail at gmail.com. And I also have an Amazon wish list. You go check out my Pokemon Go friend code. And don't forget my social security number. Here it is. Get your pen. Now that's it. Thank you, Lars, for having me on your show. Nobody asked me to be on their podcast anymore. Thanks, Chris. And you know what? I, I love you. And I hope you get through this okay. If people come close to the building, get the vegetable oil out of the cupboard. Boil it up. I throw it at them. Down the wall. Just if they are up the wall, if they're coming up the wall, just say, get the vegetable oil ready, honey. Chris told me this. I know how, I know how you follow my instructions to a T. And I'll also get the Nerdcore Mafia to keep them away. Oh, man, I wouldn't even approach them. I wouldn't even approach them. Don't even approach them. They come to you. Right. You will be called upon when you see three birds on your doorstep and they're dead. And one of them's wearing a tiny little necklace like you wear with the golden link cartridge. Right. Then you know you can go to the meat shop on third. <laughs> and only then. Okay, sounds good. I miss I miss, I miss Sopranos. I miss Sopranos. Sopranos should have had more secret passages and trapdoors. That's just me. 100th episode. This was tight to have you on the 100th episode. Oh, no, man. I always want to give the haters something, you know? What do you want to give them? Uh, just something to chew on. You're going to eat You're gonna eat 20,000 chicken dinners before you reach the age of 65. There was a whole dentine campaign that was like, here's something. To, you want something to chew on? You're going to eat one million chicken dinners. Here's something to chew on. Happy birthday. It's not my, birth it's not my birthday. <laughs> Our birthdays are both coming up, so that's an early happy birthday. Show us, how, show us how close we are. You're born in April or May. No, October. <laughs> close. <laughs> All right. Gives you a sense of how tight we are. <laughs> uh, I'd take a bullet for you, and by that I mean I would take someone's bullet that they gave me, and I would put it in a gun. And I would give it to you by shooting it at you. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> I would take a bullet for you, though. Only because I want martyr status. How Christian are you? Are you juggalo Christian? What level of Christian are you? Do you believe in juggalo Christianity or norm or Judeo? Is it Judeo or is it juggalo? Which kind of Christian? I don't like it. Sounds like you're dabbling in science and there's no room for that. I'm Christian and I'm, uh, yeah, regular Christian probably. Yeah. What level? Episcopalian, which is kind of like, like Robin Williams said, Catholic light, right? Have you heard that joke? Hilarious. Do you go to church every Sunday? I do, but not during the pandemic. But yeah, I do. I would go every Sunday, yeah. And where does Joyful Noise come from? Is this a Bible verse or is this because of the movie with Dolly Parton? Joyful, is that her movie? I haven't seen it. That's her movie. That's tight. Is it a Bible? Is it a reference to the Bible? Joyful, joyful smiles. That's what I say. Well, what's from the Bible? 
Any of it? Where'd you get the word joyful? This is a shakedown. This is a word shakedown. Joyful is from the Bible, yes. And your wife goes to church with you. She comes sometimes. I've heard heard her band name. I know. So would you take an old lady there? Because that's the Lars thing to do. You go walk an old lady there, don't you? Mrs. Mrs. Chrysanthemums. And you walk her there. I talk to the old ladies at church. Yeah, I have conversations with them. <laughs> and she's like, oh, Andrew, you're just like my dancer. Um, I do miss going, and I am doing... I, do you give them money? Do you give the Episcopal Church money? I do. I put money in the collection thing, but I don't like tithe. Do your fans know that they're supporting the church? I don't know. Is there a... Is, or do you pay... Does your church pay taxes? Churches... What kind of... What kind of scam are you running, Epstein? <laughs> what? No, no, no. Churches don't pay taxes because they're exempt, right? That was the whole thing about Scientology. Yeah, how convenient for them. How convenient for them. You know what a podcast? I got your podcast. What? It's called uh, Sermons on the Mont or Mount. And it's you and me. I'm an <laughs> atheist. You're a Christian. All right. Or which could be, it could be like uh, Vermins on the Mount. Or I don't know. We'll come up with something good. You got good... Baby Herman's on the mount. What? Stop it. It's in your hands, Roger. I held up a Roger Rabbit card. It brings you so much joy. Um, do you know Do you know how, how many satanic symbols are in Roger Rabbit? No. The cartoon? No. How many? It's true. What? Did you know? What? And all the animators put like baby blood into the, no, into the ink? No. No. You didn't know this? You're joking. It's real. Yeah. No. There's a cult. <laughs> Yeah, right. That's why that's why Baby Herman was in it because it was all about like kids that weren't allowed that grew up and they had to stay kids. There's all about adult wearing adults that wear diapers. Look, Google this. This is all. These are your rabbit holes. Is this true? No, I don't. You can edit this out. You can edit this out. But you shouldn't though because it scared you. I don't think it's true though. Yeah, you're joking. And you, I could watch you and I could see you get. I think you got scared, though, because you don't know what kind of cesspool Hollywood is, and you don't know where your entertainment comes from. And I live here now. Yeah, you do. I know. You're part of it. <laughs> so watch it. Yeah, I'm a part of it. I'm part of the cabal. You ever heard that word? Yeah. Cabal? That's, I'm, pa- I'm the head. Isn't the cabal? I'm the head of it. Cabal is uh, where the Kabbalah comes from, right? The Jewish term for Jewish mysticism? No. No? Okay. No. Cabal is when you eat babies. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. This conversation is getting weird. I'm getting sober. That's what's happening. That's what's I up. I need to get out of here. All right. <laughs> I need to get out of here. Uh, okay, well, um, I'll talk to you soon. That sounds tight. Well, according to you, no, I won't because we're not tight. So you're just creating false pretenses. Well, Everyone's going to come up to me. They'll be like, how is that time you and Lars hung out right after your podcast? I'll be like, it never existed. He's a- Well, here's the thing. How about next time in ca- I'm in L.A., I'll call you and see if you're around. Oh, I'm busy, dude. I'm busy. Well, I was—I f- feel like you don't want it. I can't do it. What? Listen, how about this? You have your agent call my my agent's assistant's intern. No, 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 no. I have I have your number. I'm gonna well, next time I'm in LA. I'm gonna Chris. What? Don't call my number. It would scare me, and I would just drive right off the road. What if I text? What if I text you, Chris? I'm in town. Do you want to get coffee? Can I come by? If someone texts me, I throw my phone up in the air right away. And then I dive into the street. You don't want to text me. I've been through too much. I'm trying to get a pretext for what is socially acceptable. 
Oh, wow. What is that a pun or do you not even know when you're saying the word text? Pretext. You love texting so much. I say, Chris, I'm in L.A. What's going on? What are you doing calling me right now while you're giving this old lady the business? Let's do it. Okay, let's end with a hypothetical call. I just called you. Hello? Yo, Lars, what's up? When are we going to tour again, bro? Psych! You hung up on me? Yep, I did. <laughs> no, hey, hey, Lars, seriously, though, can I open for you? Is that okay? Can I open for you now? The, I have no problems with it. You give me a solid half hour, man, I'll make it sing. <laughs> I'll make it sing. <laughs> Let me drink your Diet Cokes. You know what I've noticed, though, dude, is that when you talk to somebody during the pandemic afterwards, when the conversation's over, you feel elated. I feel elated talking to you. Yeah, I only, I only give you verbal abuse because I can't say all the wonderful, beautiful things that are in my mind right now. I'd, it would ruin my rep. I know you're saying them, and I feel them, and it makes me joyful. I actually am holding up little signs for him on FaceTime, and he's seeing the messages and the drawings, explicit as they may be. Well, maybe, we, maybe we'll post them. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Keep her scowl at bay. Keep her scowls at bay. Um, keep our smiles at bay. What? Okay. No, you, you want the smiles to come into the bay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't know how bays Michael work. Bay. Are you from the Bay Area? Yeah, I am, yeah. Uh, and on that note, I'll talk to you soon. All right, take care. Thanks, Peace Chris. Peace out, everybody. Thank you for having me. Goodbye. Thanks, Chris. Bye. You guys be safe. Be safe, okay? Hey, welcome to Merely's Orientation. My name's Nate, and I'll be your RA for this year. Today, we'll be moving into our dorms and building community. So go get your keys from the main office, come back, and get ready to meet your roommates. All right? All right? So junior year was hell He lacked social skills And had a pungent smell When your roommate is the devil It can be extremely whack Putting posters on the wall Of trapped in Nickelback Until the break of dawn He'd be mutilating sheep It's 4am Satan Can you please go to sleep? I can't have girls over When the dorm smells like sterno When did room 56 become Dante's Inferno? He likes death and destruction I like radio and art He likes holding down and reading Jean-Paul Sartre while I'm going to class Studying my notes He's eating baby fetuses and sacrificing goats He tricks the freshman girls into eating apples Holding black masses down at the campus chapel Should've never moved in Wish I were dead Should've found a place off campus on Craigslist instead He was the roommate from hell His name was Lucifer Someone call a priest and bring the crucifer He was the roommate from hell Satanic panic cause he is messing with my head He was the roommate from hell His name was Lucifer Someone call a priest and bring the crucifer He was the roommate from hell Leaves his pitchfork in my bed I'm in a satanic panic cause he is messing with my head Yo, what? that's a giant bloody helium over here, yo Okay, but wait, Satan, that's too much? Boy, you need a bitch slap Not my fault with mismatch You geek out over big man's world I dig a world of Leave the shower curtain open I come home
That was, of course, our first collaboration, The Roommate from Hell. That was on The Graduate. Next year, The Graduate is celebrating its 15th anniversary. I'm doing a UK tour uh, where I'm playing songs from The Graduate uh, with a few other artists, and that's going to be summer of 2021 in the UK. I'll post more information. Um, hopefully, COVID will be over by then, or it will be vaccinated or contained. It's been nuts, but it's been important and good to connect with old homies from the past like my man chris so chris thank you buddy i'm thinking about you and i appreciate our candid discussion of our friendship this was a very refreshing and i would say cathartic episode all right y'all talk to you soon thanks for tuning in peace